Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Richie V, Mr. Call Screener, El Conservador, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, right here 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden, New York City, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And we're looking at everything that happened this week. Tuesday's night's election were a bust for Democrats and a series of big Republican wins across the board, pretty much for everybody, maybe except for the NYC election. But you look at the Virginia governor's race, that was a, um, a big win. You got the first black woman lieutenant governor in history there, uh, at least in Virginia history. Winsome Sears, she's very impressive. We're going to talk about her a little bit more down the road. Uh, the first Hispanic statewide official in uh, Jason Miyares, the attorney general. I spoke with him in my um, Mr. Call Screener role. And uh, nice guy, smart guy, really knows his stuff. San Antonio is flipped from blue to red, electing a new member of Congress in a special election. You got uh, the city of Hialeah, Miami, Florida has a Trump Republican there. And other smaller races are also proven to be victorious. And it's incredible. The incredible showing that we had here in New Jersey, of all places, um, a neck and neck nail biter that eventually was called by the AP and still has not been officially decided. The secretary of state has not awarded it. But Governor Phil Murphy has accepted victory. Looks like there may be uh, some questions about this, and I say go for it. Every legal vote should be counted. I'm echoing what uh, candidate Jack Citarelli said, so uh, kudos to Jack for doing a great job. I did endorse him on the air uh, in South Jersey because I know there was a big presence in South Jersey, so a uh, big shout-out to Jack and the campaign. And here we are, right? Personally upsetting to me was the outcome of the New York City mayoral race, and this is, you know, it's a loss, for real. It, it hurts, they sting. But it also inspires that the emotion that makes this movement continue, particularly in areas where the lift is the heaviest, right? It's, it's, it's easy to kind of win in a state that was once red. New York was never red in my lifetime, even though you may have had a Republican governor, you may have had a Republican mayor in New York City. These, this is not a, a red state, although some people say, oh, it's primarily a red state just for New York City. I've never really experienced that. I've never met a ton of conservative people coming out of New York. I think, uh, you know, we've got Greenwich Village. You've got, it's just, to me, that there may be some less liberal people, but it's not a conservative bastion. It's not Wyoming is the point that I'm making. Now, there were three Republican victories in the uh, New York City Council, which was really big. Um, you have three conservative judges, that got to get elected and get in, and now they're going to fight back on the crazy bail reform laws. Democrat ba ballot measures, we had uh, gerrymandering districts. That was stopped. 
You also had same-day voter registration. That was voted down in New York City. And the no-excuses universal absentee ballots, that didn't pass on the ballot initiative either. So these are, I think, really big wins, uh, and I'm going to take them as such. If people think that I'm making a big deal out of nothing, then, you know, hey, too bad. These initiatives are important, in my opinion, because they fight back on the biggest thing that Congress is pushing this year, H.R. 1 and S.R. 1, right? This is what the Democrats were pushing hardcore, bef- uh, you know, what they called the um, For the People Act, before they started pushing for the, the $3.5 trillion scheme, right? It was the For the People Act to institutionalize fraud through ballot harvesting, same-day voter registration, where the Board of Elections doesn't get to check on anything and compare and contrast, nada, no verification. Universal mail-in ballots, so you don't have to be an old person or in the military or anything like that, incapacitated, nothing. Just, I don't want to go, I'm going to vote by mail. Obviously, opening up elections to mail-in voting is problematic because it invites fraud. And we've talked about this in the past. So you have all of that stuff was voted down. They did not pass. So for everybody, it's always out there chanting and saying, oh, why aren't the Republicans fighting? The Republicans need to, to grow a spine. And I'm not trying to defend the Republicans. I'm just, we, we get so used to being downtrodden, so used to feeling defeated that it's like, oh, I hate the Democrats, but I hate the Republicans more. And you've got to really step back and say, you know what, hold on a second. SR1 in the Senate and HR1 in the House, this, this the legalization of uh, fraudulent voting, these things never, they never passed. They might be on the back burner, but they didn't happen. And the reason they didn't happen is because the Republicans were fighting. And I just hear it so often. Maybe it's the squeaky wheel getting the oil, but so many people get at me with, oh, you know what, I'm tired of the Republicans. And I'm thinking, why don't you step up? If you don't like what the Republicans are doing, you need to replace them. And I believe that with, with all of my being. That was their biggest legislative priority up until they came up with the $3.5 trillion scheme, the big spending scheme. So I think kudos to the the excuse me, <laughs> tongue-tied there, to the Republicans and Speaker McCarthy. Because without their push, that might be law today. Now, as well as Republican wins for county executive in Suffolk County, kudos to them. A little bit of a shout out to all the Republicans in New York, out on Staten Island, of course, Long Island, all our guys and, and uh, the beautiful ladies of the Long Island Loud Majority for staying loud. Big shout out to them, making a lot of noise. Great job. Now, people even cross party lines up in Buffalo, New York to stop these Democrat socialists from trying to take over. There was a candidate that ran in the primary, the Democrat socialists won, and independents, Republicans, and Democrats got together for a write-in campaign, and they won. They defeated her. Now they got to figure out, you know, how the dust is going to settle. But they agreed that they did not want a Democrat socialist as mayor of Buffalo, New York. So I think New York uh, showed up, and so did lots of other places across the country. And it was nice to hear that good old Ilhan Omar, Miss some people did something who, you know, she promoted defunding the police in Minneapolis, the Minneapolis Police Department. And that was on a referendum. It was on a ballot initiative. And they said, do we want to eliminate and end the police department and replace it with a Department of Public Safety? Of course, that did not pass. And I shouldn't say, of course, because they were leading the charge during the George Floyd days. But good for them for keeping it real and supporting the cops. Now, on election night, on Tuesday, today's Thursday, it's the Thursday edition of This is America. I attended, courtesy was election night party. 
His speech was inspiring, to say the least. Staying focused on creating new opportunities and promoting and advancing this movement that we're seeing all across the board. You know, people that are independent, people that are Democrats, people that are saying, you know what, enough is enough. We're saying no to Marxism, no to the wokeness. We're not with that. And I'll tell you, I, I think I see a little shift in something. I was standing there. Guy comes over to me, puts a microphone in my face. I look at the mic flag, and it says NPR WNYC. This is the NPR station in New York City that was part of the, the you know, there was a, a huge um, section for media there at the event. About 500 people there packed into the Empire Steakhouse. And I was, I, I was really surprised that they had any interest in speaking to me. And after we spoke for a little bit, the guy wanted to keep speaking. And I was really, uh, again, impressed is the word I can say. Surprised, taken aback, whatever you want to say. Typically, they have no interest in hearing something that they don't want to hear. They want to hear Curtis Lee was a racist. They want to hear Curtis Lee had no shot at winning. They want to hear what they've been um, sowing into, into the, the people and so that it can regurgitate in the echo chamber. And I wasn't having it. I told him the truth. And he appreciated it. He even got my number, said they want to interview me again. So I thought, you know what? Kudos to NPR for actually bothering to have a dissenting opinion. Because you guys know who listen to this show. Oftentimes, I will listen to NPR just to argue with the radio, record those clips, and then play them for you guys. Because they're so outlandish and one-sided. So that was really, really good. Now, speaking of progressives in the media... It was so awesome to watch CNN and MSNBC on election night. And the reason is because you've got them, they're all falling apart. Van Jones falling apart. Joy Reid falling apart. Brianna Keeler, my least favorite Australian from CNN, falling apart. Everything, you know, just repeating the same story after story after story. This is racist. That's racist. This is bad because of Trump. You're bad because of everything. Man. I tell you, it was so gratifying. But, you know, to hear Van Jones say, you know, I think we're annoying people. I think that we might be missing the mark. Listen to this. I think that the Democrats are coming across in ways that we don't recognize that are annoying and offensive um, and seem out of touch in ways that I don't think show up in our feeds when we're looking at, at, at our kind of echo chamber. And I think that this is a message here. Yeah, the message is you're full of it, bro. You might have a, a, a place in your heart where you're just doing this because you really believe it. But by and large, guys like Joe El Baboso Biden and Nancy Labruja Pelosi, all out crazy AOC, these people know exactly what they're doing. This is not a game. They, they know what they're doing and they want to deceive. They want to hurt the, the status quo. They don't like America the way they see it. They want to create a new America. And this is why they're constantly talking about racist this, racist that. Now, here's Van Jones talking about his racist dog whistles. Sure. I, I think Biden's troubles are bigger than uh, this particular issue. And I think that, um, you know, the Democratic Party, I mean, everybody that I'm talking to tonight, there's a, this is a big, big wake up call. I think people took Virginia for granted. Uh, we took California for granted, but then people, you know, got in there and saved Gavin. I think people took, took the thing for granted. And there was an intensity gap. You had uh, Youngkin saying, uh, you know, your rights as a parent are under threat. That is going to move people. And then you had our side saying Trump is bad and vaccine mandates are good. There's a mismatch on the intensity for that message. 
And so, you know, as you as you begin to think, what are we going to do? You've got to be able to respond to what I think is uh, dog whistling uh, on education. I think all the CRT stuff is trumped up dog whistling, but trumped up dog whistling. So, again, th- this this term that they use is, you know, this tongue in cheek coded messaging where you say we don't want to teach our children critical race theory. But in effect, what it really is is a call for racism. We're telling people to hate blacks or people of color, BIPOC, right? Black, indigenous, people of color, of which I happen to be. It's just amazing to me. Living life as a person that's brown, right? By their standard, I happen to be brown. And I feel like if I have experienced racism at some points, and I have, it's definitely not in the majority. The systems that I interact with when they talk about systemic racism. How many Puerto Ricans do you know that are on the radio? And is it because of radio? Racism? I don't think the radio is racist. I think a lot of people may not be interested in this. But I don't feel that I had to hop and uh, climb through certain hurdles and hoops just because I uh, have, you know, the last name Valdez and because I happen to be brown. I, I don't think that at all. I think if you have talent and you understand this business, you can try, and a lot of people fail. A lot of white people fail and don't make it. This is a very difficult um, business to get into, and I get that, and I thank God for uh, the blessing of being able to be in this business and reach people, you, to reach you. But by no means can I say I I feel that there is uh, racism at play. But anyway, let's go back to Van Jones. you got to be able to respond to it, and I also think that, listen, crime— inflation and concerns about our kids, Democrats got to have better answers uh, next year than we had this year. Right. I mean, you have, you have a 29. 29- I don't know about this. Uh, just on the reality based thing, there, there is also a straw man based element to this as well. And, and Youngkin was very skillful in creating straw men here. And in fact, the defund police slogan was nothing. Most Democrats didn't embrace that in the first place. But the Republicans did a very good job of tagging Democrats with it. And Democrats did a less good job of pushing back on it. Yeah. This is the pushback that they got, right? This is um, Joy Reid, good old Joy Reid. Now, she's very entertaining because you can say, hey, Joy, what time is it? That's systemically racist, right? I mean, every single thing in the world is racism in Joy Reid's opinion. And I want you to hear how she describes uh, initially the talk about education and critical race theory and how parents should have control over their children's uh, education, how they shouldn't have to succumb to uh, the critical gender theory and teaching every kid that it's okay to become a woman and this and that and the other. And again, I'm, I'm just broad strokes here. Um, many people have different opinions on those things, and that's fine. But this goes way beyond the transgender theory. It goes way beyond uh, critical race theory, because this goes down to into the, what they like to call social, uh, social, social-emotional learning and uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. They're literally baking it into just about everything that we do. And she says, well, this is a code word. Check this out. The exit poll showed that, that, which was interesting, that the coronavirus or that the virus was a very low importance to many voters there. It was education, which is code for white parents don't like the idea of teaching about race. And I mean, unfortunately, race is just the most palpable tool in the toolkit used to be of the Democratic Party back in the day when they were Dixiecrats, and now of the Republican Party. It just is powerful. Yeah, it's very powerful because it's not white parents don't like the idea of teaching race. It's that 
people like me, born in Brooklyn to Puerto Rican parents, went to school, was taught all sorts of things about uh, racism, right? And how racism negatively affected people and it hurt people and how Jim Crow was evil. And it was the Democrats that pushed all of this. And of course, somebody will always come and go, but there was a big switch, though. Nah, nah, but you ain't talking about the big switch. There was no big switch. Turn on the big switch in your brain and get something. Now, the problem here is I'm brown, again, for the 18th time. So maybe somebody like Joy can understand me. I don't want my kids learning about race in this way. We should live in a colorblind society, like MLK said. But the critical race theorists, they're totally against that. And this is a problem for them. Now, she's not done. And I want you to hear every last thing that she has to say. Because Joy Reid is very upset about Glenn Youngkin winning in Virginia. And she says that parents, well, this whole thing, it's, it's a big racist idea. There isn't critical race theory talk. But what exactly. he's done is he's laundered Trump's really sort of disgusting, flagrant out-racism. Yep. He's wrapped it in education, yep. and he's given it a lie as a label. And they said he's going to ban it. There isn't any critical race theory. It's a legal theory not taught in public schools It's in so powerful because it takes the exhausted you know, voter who wants to vote on what is fundamentally a racist idea, right? That you cannot teach the truth about Thomas Jefferson. You must give encomiums to Thomas Jefferson in school. Otherwise, that's critical race theory. If you even talk about enslavement, that's critical race theory. Anything that makes a white parent uncomfortable is critical race theory. And you're absolutely right. He's been very subtle and very slick. That Toni Morrison ad was too much of a blunt hammer. Mm -hmm. But everything he did up to then, I totally agree with you. He's found a way to launder a pretty racist trope, this idea that we cannot talk about America's history because it hurts my feelings. He's turned that into a campaign. And I think what Democrats have to worry about is if he succeeds mm. and he wins, that is going to be the campaign model for every single Republican that's running in 2020. So that's Nicole Wallace and Joy Reid going at it. And I look at this and I think, wow, so they're going to hang their hat on racism. Do you stop and think for at least just one second that maybe there's some legitimacy to what the parents are feeling? that there's some legitimacy to their gripe, that they don't want everything to be viewed through the lens of racism. Most kids are not mistreating one another in the name of racism. They might be doing it in the name of COVID because they have to wear a mask, and we can talk about that later. But this whole thing is out of control. Now, there's actually a teacher, Daniel Buck. He's on Twitter, and he's with the Chalkboard Revolution or whatever it's called. The guy's good. He studies pedagogy and looks at uh, how education is impacting people. And he brings things up in a really matter-of-fact kind of way. Now, this clip is a little bit long. It's about a minute and a half. But I want you to hear everything he's got to say because I think he breaks it down in a way that only a teacher in a classroom really could. Look, Twitter, I'm about to drive home, um, but I keep seeing this take. Uh, critical race theory is not in schools. It's all a Republican lie. It's gaslighting. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, critical race theory, critical pedagogy, all of it, not just critical race theory, but critical pedagogy is in schools. It's, um, to suggest otherwise is patently false. Um, Gloria Latson Billings in the 1990s wrote a paper, what is critical race theory doing in a nice field like education? Okay, in the 90s. Um, Kimberly Crenshaw uh, wrote another scholarly article about uh, celebrating 20 years of critical race theory. And in it, she says critical race theory has worked its way into um, all sorts of different fields, including philosophy, economics, and uh, education. Um, Paulo Freire, not a critical race 
theorist, but he is a critical pedagogue, or pedagogue, is one of the most assigned texts in schools of education, okay? Are students reading Richard Delgado, a critical race theorist, in high school classrooms? No, but the language, the theory, the philosophy, the application, the arguments, the policies of critical theory in general, not just critical race theory, are worked into every part of schooling right now, okay? It starts in the academy, and then it leaks on to everything else. Okay, so that's a teacher right there. He's letting us know this is all over the place. Now, he's not done. I'll play the rest, and I know we're going to get to the uh, break in a second. But I, I want him to complete this thought because, to me, this is exactly what they're saying. They're saying this stuff is made up, racist dog whistles. And here's this guy who's saying, look, if you look at these um, pedagogical theorists in education, in schools of education, this stuff is directly involved in what they're teaching teachers. Listen to this. There are interesting discussions to be had about whether or not a high school student could learn about critical theory like they learn about communism or capitalism, okay? Um, these are debates that we can have. But we got to start from a place of truth, which is that critical theory is in K-12 education, okay? Um, I'm a teacher. Make sure to follow this. Uh, not a lot of people are saying this. Not a lot of teachers are, but I know other people are thinking it. So make sure to retweet, like, and follow. Um, have a great day. I'm going to go play with my dog now that the workday's done. <laughs> now, this guy does not strike me in any way as a um, rampant conservative, although he might be. But this is what's happening. And it's because this is what's happening that so many people, I think, get so stressed out about what's going on in life. And it's not just critical race theory that's the issue. People are concerned about lots of things. Mental health is always one of the issues they're talking about. And in the name of mental health, they'll introduce all of these other concepts. This is why I use a really cool app called Noom. The Noom app, to me, it helps me out because it helps me learn how to manage daily stress. And when I'm reading these articles, listening to this audio, all that stuff, I get stressed out sometimes. You know, I still have kids in, in the public school system, at least one kid. The, the, my big girl is out and my, uh, my little girl is still there for another year and a half. So what do you do? Where do you even begin with this stuff? Well, Noom.com, Noom.com slash This Is America, if you want to try out the trial. It's a guide, and it's gonna, it helps you with your overall mental wellness, but it also gives you the tools that you need to tackle stress. You want to feel empowered and take on whatever life throws at you? Check out this app, Noom.com slash This Is America. For me, I get stressed when I look at this stuff. And I like this because it's not only an app, but it also, you know, it helps you to log your food. So if you're a stress eater like I am, you can uh, really get a handle on what you're doing because you log the food that you're eating in addition to the daily articles that you get. And there's a team of dedicated coaches. Mine's name is Lori. And they will uh, help you throughout the journey, you know, making sure, hey, make sure you do this, make sure you do that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So listen, you are way stronger than any stress that comes your way. That doesn't control you. You control it. Got it? Equip yourself with the knowledge and the skills so you can steer yourself to happiness. One size doesn't fit all. That's why you get to do this as you want. It's an app. Check it out. There's a trial that you can try, but you got to use my uh, code. Go to noom.com, N-O-O-M.com, N-O-O-M.com, slash this is America, N-O-O-M.com, slash this is America. 
takes about 10 minutes a day. You got to give it a shot. It's an app, so it's there for you anytime, anywhere. That's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash This Is America. Now, straight ahead, we're going to talk about what the repercussions of these elections are. We're also going to talk about the um, OSHA requirements that Joe Biden introduced that are going to be going into effect and a whole lot more. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, and This Is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. All right, America, welcome back. Listen to this. So the Democrats, they're saying, no, 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 we're not going to react to this election, to us losing. We're not going to change our ways. No, 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 no. This is uh, this. This will pass. Right. Nancy Pelosi says the Virginia election results won't change the Democrats agenda. They don't care about the people. They care about themselves. Now, despite her being a lame duck and all of that, and I'm going to get into this piece, uh, this piece in Fox News. What I find interesting is that Joe Biden has implemented these OSHA mandates for vaccinations today. And I love to check in with our policy partners before we do anything else because they always have a great question of the day on justfacts.com slash rich, justfacts.com slash rich. And the question of the day today, does OSHA require employers to report any ill effects from employer-mandated COVID-19 vaccinations? Well, that's a good question. So if you're on the job and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm having a cardiac embolism, and God forbid that happens to anyone, or I've got blood clots and uh, you know I'm, I'm developing Bell's palsy or whatever it is, are they reporting this to their employers and are the employers reporting this to theirs or any other of the mechanisms that they have to report any adverse effects? So the question I'm going to put, no, employers do not have any requirement. There's no mandate for employers to report these things. Let's see if I'm right or wrong. I'm going to say there's not. I clicked on it. I am correct. The answer is no. The United States Occupational Safety and Health Administration, known as OSHA, has announced that it will not enforce a federal regulation that requires employers to, quote, record worker side effects from COVID-19 vaccination, end quote. In the words of the agency, this is because it, quote, does not wish to have any appearance of discouraging workers from receiving the COVID-19 vaccination and also does not wish to disincentivize employers' vaccination efforts, end quote. 
In contrast, the UK, uh, their organization for medicine and healthcare, it's called the U UKMHPRA. Man, that's a mouthful. They explained that, quote, all, all... How do we do that? Let's do it like Mr. Belvedere. You say, uh, all vaccines and medicines have some side effects. That doesn't sound British. Uh, let's try this. You, you say, all, all vaccines... Now I sound like the Geico guy. Oh, why can't I do like a British? Just like a... Uh, uh, man. Well, anyway, all vaccines and med medicines have some side effects, and these side effects need to be continuously balanced against the expected benefits in preventing illness. Now, the biggest thing I want to talk about right now is why I couldn't do a British accent on demand. You see, oh, I think I found it. There it is. I found it. All vaccines and medicines have some side effects, you see. All right. I still sound like the Geico guy, the gecko. That's weird. Anyway, so they're not reporting any of this stuff, and that's compliments of our uh, friends at justfacts.com slash rich. Go there, and you could sign up to get all these little factoids and the facts of the day, the daily question of the day, all of that stuff at justfacts.com slash rich. Free. Now, Pelosi, she has something to say with respect to changing gears, and she's saying, oh, hell no, we're not changing gears on anything. House Speaker, and this is in Fox News, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said Democrats are not changing course on their multi-trillion dollar agenda, despite suffering a devastating loss in the Virginia gubernatorial race on Tuesday night. Oh, well, too bad. You might have to, or face further losses, but let's see. Pelosi was asked Wednesday morning to weigh in on former Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe's loss to Republican Governor-elect Glenn Youngkin and whether it will impact the Democrat agenda ahead of the 2022 midterm elections. What did she say? Well, the, the people have spoken. I don't do a great Pelosi. Nancy Labruja Pelosi, everybody. But she said, the people have spoken. We respect the results. I'm very sad. Terry McAuliffe is a great leader, and he was as good a governor of the state as well. Does it change the agenda of the House? No, she says. The people rejected Biden and Pelosi's far-left socialist agenda last night is what House Republican uh, Twitter account read last night. Democrats just weeks ago were hyping the race between McAuliffe and Youngkin as a bellwether election, affirming their agenda, right? Vice President Kamala Harris was out there saying all sorts of um, silly things. And there's no question by now you've seen or at least heard this audio clip of her saying, listen, what happens in Virginia, y'all? Anyway, check this out. Listen to this. Because you see, what happens in Virginia will in large part determine what happens in 2022, 2024, and on. Okay, well, that did not age well, Madam Vice President, Madam Que Mala Eres. Man, this is why she is so bad, right? This is how bad she is. Que Mala Eres, how bad she is, because she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know what to say. She tried to run for president. She was extremely unsuccessful. So they said, hey, let's make you the number two. And now they've distanced her. I don't know if it's so that she can say, while things were imploding, I wasn't around. I was very far away. Or if it's true that there's beef between her and Joe Ed Baboso's uh, wife, Dr. Jill Biden, the educator. I don't know. To me, it comes in stark contrast to another woman. A woman of color, by the way, but another woman nonetheless, who isn't talking about division. She's not concerned with that. She's concerned with America. She served in the United States Marine Corps from a family of immigrants from Jamaica, a black woman that believes in, in the Second Amendment, that believes in the Constitution, that believes in liberty. And I want you to hear her talking about being unified. Check this out. I am not even first-generation American. 
When I joined the Marine Corps, I was still a Jamaican. But this country had done so much for me, I was willing, willing to die for this country. And so I say to you, victory, victory indeed. But I, I say to you, there are some who want to divide us, and we must not let that happen. They would like us to believe we are back in 1963 when my father came. We can live where we want. We can eat where we want. We own the water fountains. We have had a black president elected not once but twice, and here I am, living proof. In case you haven't noticed, I am black, and I have been black all my life. is about. <laughs> what we are going to do is we are going to now be about the business of the Commonwealth. Man, I give her a standing ovation. That is uh, Lieutenant Governor-elect Winsome Sears. And Ms. Sears, Madam Governor, I say to you, I uh, salute you not only for your service to this country, but for the unifying message, right? She's saying, look, I've been black my whole life. And she has to point that out, right? Because Joy Reid would say that she's a white supremacist. Joy Reid and uh, Brianna Keeler and Nicole Wallace from MSNBC and CNN, they would have a, a meltdown over this because she's sending racist dog whistles, right? Because that's what any black that embraces America, that embraces the flag, that embraces uh, a, a patriotic view towards life, You've got to be a racist. You're a white supremacist. The Democrats know exactly what they're doing. They're trying to divide and conquer. And she just mentioned that. And that's the bottom line truth. They fundamentally believe in their hearts, at least the majority of them do, that they know what's better for you than you do. They presume that you're ignorant and possibly stupid. That's what they think of you. Republicans tend to presume the opposite, honestly, they, that you know exactly what you need and that you need less government handholding as opposed to more government handholding. When I worked for the state of New Jersey in the administration of Governor Chris Christie, I met so many government officials and administrators and just government workers in the state level, particularly in the area of social work, but not exclusively, that believed that they had all the answers to engineer this perfect utopian society and that the individual knew nothing of what was good for them. Because if you knew what was good for you, you wouldn't have any problems, right? So it's like, hey, I know what's good for me. Being a multi-billionaire, that's great for me. It doesn't mean I can make that happen right away, right? So, I mean, this is their logic, though. I think it's so flawed and so insulting. But this is exactly why I say you have to be the change that you want to see in the world. Just like Gandhi. We need conservatives in government, in small government in every aspect of our government, pushing back on these ideologies in City Hall, at the State House, 
in the county seat, at the White House, in the halls of Congress, on the Supreme Court, on the local courts. Conservatives have become lawyers. Conservatives have become teachers and get into the classroom to fight this back from the inside. Conservatives, that lovers of liberty, that get into newsrooms and fight this thing back, push it back. If we don't push back, we can't expect others to do it for us. Now, of course, all the media can do now is say that there is no critical race theory and that we're just crazy. And you just heard uh, the good teacher talk about that, Mr. Buck. And of course, AOC says that Terry McAuliffe, well, you know, he lost because we're a bunch of racists and we're just not progressive enough. And ultimately, that's where we land, right? It's never our policies sucked. It's never we didn't do right by the people, but it's always somebody else's fault. And in this situation, it was McCullough's fault because, yeah, he was just, he was too conservative. He wasn't progressive enough. You may not be surprised, but you're definitely going to be a little bit disappointed when you hear AOC's logic on all of this. Straight ahead, don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez on all the social media. This is America. This is America. This is America. These times people waking up to everything. Go Brandon, but we all know what the saying means. Let's go All right, welcome back. And I got to get one of these bumps from my guy, Brandon, Bryson Gray. Bryson Gray, not Brandon. I got another buddy named Bryce, Brandon Bryce. Anyway, what has Brandon done? We're going to get to Brandon in a minute, Joe Biden. But first, I want you to hear what AOC had to say about why Terry McAuliffe lost in Virginia. And of course, it's because he's not progressive enough. Now, is that why Mr. Adams won in New York? Because he was very progressive? Hmm. I doubt she would agree. Anyway. Listen to our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, all out crazy herself, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. On the election front, I actually think we have good news as well. I know that Virginia was a huge bummer. And honestly, if anything, I think that the results show the limits of trying to run a fully 100% super moderated campaign that does not excite speak to or energize a progressive base and frankly we weren't even really invited to contribute on that race when was that something that would prevent you from getting involved and speaking out on it anyway aoc all out crazy it's not it never has been there's plenty of crazy things that are happening just like jack Chitarelli being ahead in bergen county new jersey where i live 100 percent of the votes being counted being reported at least by the media the fake news media i have to say because you wake up in the morning and then it was like, oh, no, no, we're actually at 90 something percent and it's going to Murphy. I don't know how that happens. Now they're saying, well, you know, the good old mail-in ballots. And again, if this is a constant theme of the mail-in ballots messing things up, now at least AOC didn't blame it on the mail-in ballots. At least she didn't say, you know, it's because you guys stole the election, just like Terry McAuliffe was saying, right? And you've heard that audio of him saying that the um, previous Republican elections were stolen. And that Trump wasn't the legitimate president, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what do we do? Or better said, what has Brandon done, right? Good old, let's go, Brandon. What is Biden up to? Well, his plan is definitely not one that's helping, right? You've got the vaccine mandate for people coming into the United States, which is going to kill the airlines. You've got his pretty much uh, baked in inflation that he caused to happen. The skyrocketing cost of energy, whether it's oil or natural gas or whatever, he stopped so much of it. It's no longer cheap in the United States. We have to go somewhere else to get it. That's all his fault. These policies that say, yeah, we're going to take $3.5 trillion, nearly, I don't know, five times the uh, actual annual budget of this entire country, at least at the federal level. 
and we're going to give it away. We're going to pay people to run for office. We're going to have health care. We're going to have child care. We're going to have universal paid time off. We're going to have everything, everything. Ah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I used to watch this show, Shark Tank. And I don't watch it as much anymore just because I, I don't have a lot of time. But Mr. Wonderful, the Canadian shark, and he says, if we do this, this tax plan, this monetary plan that Joe Biden is proposing, we are going to be in horrible shape, horrible shape. And this is not good. If Biden's proposals actually were put through, the U.S. would be the highest tax jurisdiction in the world for corporations. And the people that lived in New York, Manhattan, Boston, Massachusetts, and San Francisco, California, would be paying the highest tax rates of any human being on earth. Now, there you have it. Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, one of the sharks from Shark Tank, a guy that knows how to make money. And he's by no means a Trumper. I don't remember him being a Trumper. I remember him uh, being kind of uh, noncommittal since he's Canadian. But he knows how to make a dollar and how to protect himself from losing that dollar. And you heard him say it, if Joe Biden's proposals go into effect, the people in some of our biggest cities, which are all liberals, by the way, most of the progressives are in those areas, Boston, San Francisco, New York City, we're going to be the highest taxed individuals on the planet. Let that sink in. Anyway, more to come straight ahead on the next episode of This Is America. Until then, catch up on the last three episodes. And I want to thank everybody. We've had some great numbers. We were just in the top 100 again of all of the news commentary podcasts. And that's like a just under a million podcasts. We came in in the top 100, I think at number 60 and then number 67 the following day. Uh, I thank you. I thank you, the listeners, for sharing this, for sending text messages to your friends saying, hey, listen to this episode, listen to these topics. I really appreciate it. I really, really do. And for those of you who've been messaging me on my inbox, when you do that on Facebook, there's an automatic message that goes out with the link to buy a T-shirt. So I'm not trying to sell you a T-shirt. It's just set up that way. Feel free to buy a T-shirt if you like. But I don't want you to think we're like, Rich, thanks. Love your show. Here, buy a T-shirt. Because that's how I think some people are feeling. It's an automated response. And if you do want to get the Liberty Loving Latino Amigo T-shirt, you can get that. Or you can get the Rich Valdez logo shirt. Either way, we'd absolutely love that. I appreciate all of your support, putting people on to the show for listening three times a week. And we're going to be adding more as we go. Make sure to check out our sponsors, uh, Noom.com. I'm really enjoying this app, and I think you will too. It's Noom.com slash This Is America if you want to check out the trial. You got to put in This Is America so you can experience the trial and experience this for yourself. Anyway, that's all I've got for today. If you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So stand up and do something like Hamilton said, like Lord Acton said, the time is now. And if not you, then who? Like Reagan said, hasta la próxima. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.